Hey, what's going on? It's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to KC at the Movies Podcast for Wednesday, the 29th of November, 2017. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, very hot in here. Had to turn the fan off. Had the, the windows open a bit, so you might hear some outside noise, but the uh, fan is, um, is had to go off, and it's fucking hot as hell in here. Jesus. Wow, how long's it been, eh? How long's it been? It's been a um, been like three weeks, and if you have if you haven't listened listened to the uh, special message yet, I um, I said that I would make I would release this podcast tonight, and uh, I would um, it it might be a little over, it might be a bit extended, it might go for two hours, it might go for two and a half, I, I don't know, but uh, we'll just see how how fast I can talk. <laughs> Get these things out of the way. Uh, on tonight's podcast, I'll be talking about Ingrid Goes West, Thor Ragnarok. Um, oh, so that was another one as well. There's another movie as well. Have I got, have I forgotten it completely? Ah, oh, shit. Ah, right, yes. Ingrid Goes West, Thor Ragnarok, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and Detroit. Four movies I'll be talking about tonight. Um, I just got back from seeing Detroit, not really actually, I got back like an hour and a half ago, but um, tonight I got, I went and saw Detroit um, at Denny Cinema's Newtown, for a fucking dollar by the way, for a dollar, so uh, that was that was really cool, <laughs> as part of their uh, their birthday uh, offer, now um, I'm going to extend an olive branch here and uh, just say that um, to everybody and just say, look, if, if, if your birthday is in uh, in a week, so it goes from Sunday to Sunday, and uh, if your birthday is in that week, you can see a movie for a dollar, and that goes for every single day. So it goes from Sunday to Sunday, and you can see a movie for a dollar. But so the uh, and I looked at the TNCs, and it said that uh, you can only do one ticket per day, but you can still do a ticket every single day. So go see. Seven dollars for a week in movies. I mean, fucking hell. Who who wouldn't want to pass off that opportunity? But unfortunately, I've been really busy this week, so I can only see Detroit tonight. Uh, I really wanted to see Justice League as well, and uh, spend my next dollar. <laughs> um, but um, didn't have. Uh, don't have much time to do that. Um, I'd go tomorrow if I I'd go tomorrow if I didn't have a, a workshop to do in the morning. But um, I've got a thing to do at school in the morning. Also, some more editing on the film. Um, and on the weekend, uh, I, I would go this weekend as well, but on the weekend, I'm going back to Newcastle. I actually leave tomorrow night to go back to Newcastle and uh, visit family and everything, even though they already visited me already, but I'll talk about that in a, while, in a bit. Um, and uh, visit all my mates and everything and have my uh, 21st uh, birthday in... Um, a party in Newcastle. I had I had had, uh, had one in Sydney last weekend, which, uh, to be honest, I don't quite remember much of it. But um, I know some bits were fun. <laughs> so I can uh, all I can recollect. Um, but I know that this is um, it's going to be a more special one in Newcastle because of um, family going to be there and uh, some of my closest friends who have been friends of most of my life. Um, or most of these later, these more recent years, especially from high school, um, are going to be there as well. 
Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so speaking of the film, it's done. Beautiful game is done. It's wrapped up. Uh, we spent two days in beautiful Lura Blue Mountains. Uh, in the Blue Mountains and um, in Lura. In this wonderful uh, cliffside cottage. And... Um, God, it was a fucking beautiful spot. Uh, right down the road. Katoomba's right next door as well. So I went to visit the Blue Mountains and see their three sisters as well. So that was really cool to, to, uh, to see. And... Um, yeah, it's uh, crazy down there. Crazy cold too. I'd, uh, I was wearing like uh, lots of um, short clothes and everything. But then I was talking to a friend of mine. <laughs> she was like, oh no, you'll want, you'll want to pack some winter clothes. And I was like, oh really? Some... Like, it's not that cold, is it? It's not like Canada. She goes, no, no, no. Like, the wind is, like, so powerful, it's going to, like... It's going to, like... You might lose balance. <laughs> so, um... And, and she was right. She was completely right. Very strong winds. But beautiful. A beautiful sight. I uh, took many photos of, of that. And uh, we, even, we even got one... Um, a nice sequence for the beginning of the film. Which shows the Blue Mountains... Uh, and all their beauty. Uh, but I'm not going to say even more of that. So, uh, yeah, wonderful shoot, smooth shoot. Um, catering was great, snacks. Everyone was working well. The, the actors were fantastic. Um, my crew was uh, incredible crew as well. My director of photography, who I've already mentioned on Instagram. Um, and just incredible stuff. Uh, and what a... What a um, just a tenacious, hard-working human. I, um... You know, you've got a fun side and everything she's fun to hang around with, but, you know, when it comes to work, she's very focused, she's very, um... Yeah, I'm gonna use that word again, tenacious. She's very... She wants to get shit done, and she does it well. So... That's all I can say there. And, uh, yeah, it just... It went, it went really well. I don't know if we were breaking any rules or anything, but uh, we were... If we're outside the radius, but like, it, honestly, it just came to that finding location in the end, and we finally found one, and we shot um, in this one, just this wonderful location. Beautiful. I've got to go back there again. It's like a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Sydney, but... Um, probably like a two-hour, not a two-and-a-half-hour. Probably like a two-hour drive from Sydney, but I'll probably do it. I'd, I'd definitely do it again. Uh, beautiful place. So right now we're putting that together. I've already had rough cut screenings, uh, feedback from that, and I've just had fine cut screenings on Monday for that. And uh, got some good feedback from that, some suggestions as well that we could we could uh, potentially try out. And uh, I've got trying to generate ideas right now for pickup shots that could probably uh, um, help the story a little, even in, in the beginning. And I wanted to um, film a, a, a final scene where I can place... Um, my title card, which I think would be the correct placing for it, um, where I feel like it's going to like, be, because I don't really, I've just never really wanted to put it at the beginning. I always wanted to put it at the end, and uh, this scene, it seems like a perfect fit for it. So, um, yeah, happy about doing that. But I don't know when we're going to get that pickup shot because we've only got uh, one week really. So like next week, and then um, it's that's it. Like it's over. And uh, I, I don't know if we want to use the red camera again, or we can just use a normal camera, possibly a black magic. Um, I'm not too sure about that yet. But and also got to you got to take into account the actress' availability as well because they work. Um, 
and uh, I was supposed to get some ADR done. I was really uh, angry with myself because I was supposed to get some ADR done today with one of my with my actress, one of my other actress actresses for a phone call. Um, how the fuck? How many times can I fuck up that word? Uh, for a phone call, and um, I just I'd never you know what I slipped in and uh, forgot all about it. So that's my truth right there. Um, and. She could probably do it on the, you know, it's just a phone call. So I guess I could record it on a phone. But I, I, th I was thinking like I wanted to get the clearest dialogue I can. So I don't know. It could, have, it could have been. Yeah, it might not sound as well. But again, it's just on a phone, so we could probably get away with it. Who knows? Um. Uh, we still need to. For some reason, the color grading for Longland kind of fucked up. So I've got to color grade that movie, um, or I at least export the color grade again, the final cut color grade again, and uh, insert another final scene. And I think I'm positively confident, is that a word, phrase? I don't know. That I can put Longland into a festival circuit in 2018. So that's me saying that. I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, any festivals I find, I'm looking for, to put Longland into. As soon as I get that stuff done, Unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to get it done before the Christmas break, so I'll have to wait till early next year, possibly February, to um, export that grade again and uh, chuck on that extra scene and the, and the credits and all that stuff. But I've shown the actors uh, a, 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 a one of the fine, one of the final cuts, ungraded though, and they seem happy with it. And um, I'm definitely getting, I'm definitely thinking about doing a feature version of it too. So. Um, I had to think about that, and I was like, no, I, I, want, I want to see those characters again. I want to write that dialogue again. I want to get in back into it. And um, I've got the idea for the feature as well. I've fleshed it out a bit on my uh, my memos and my phone. I don't write in a notebook, which I think should be better, but I always... Um, and what I do is I put memos... I put these uh, type these memos into the phone on the, on the Samsung in the memos app on the phone. So, um... Yeah, so, oh my God, it's fucking hot in here. Holy shit. I'm sweating. Sweating like the characters tonight in Detroit, but we'll be talking about that in a minute. Oh, jeez. Like, I would put that fan on, like, so badly, but it's going to fuck up the recording. This is what you got to do, guys. This is what you got to sacrifice when you make a fucking podcast. Um, what else can I say? Um, that's pretty much it. Um, I think Final Cut for Beautiful Game will be done next week. Not the final, final cut. We're currently running at 10 minutes 30. Um, it's supposed to be 5 to 7, but I don't think I'm... If I get down to 5 or 7, I'm going to cut out some very crucial um, scenes that, honestly, you need for the story and the structure. So, uh, not the structure, just the story. And um, in the edit, I'm thinking about reordering a few scenes to create a different kind of um, build-up instead of the one we have currently. And yeah, I'm thinking about trying that out. I really wanted to try it out this week, but what 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 got in the way? There was uh, Monday was 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 yeah, after the fight cut. So that we started working. My birthday was it was we had a test. That's right, we had a test day yesterday. A test for my birthday yesterday. Yeah, I know, fun, right? Have a written test on your fucking birthday. How about that? How about that on your fucking for dinner? Jesus. That's not even saying. What am I doing? I think the heat's making me go fucking nuts. Um, what the fuck was I talking about? 
uh, what was the beginning? Oh, we had this thing in the beginning where I, we did another screening with somebody else, and uh, they gave us, I know she gave us like, she gave me a lot of feedback as well, and that and and some ide- ideas for some pickup shots as well. So that's that was good. Um, well, the good thing about having this microphone, sorry to go off track a bit here. The good thing about having this new microphone is that I I can like sit like back in my chair like this and speak because it it's so the voice is so loud. I don't and it looks like I don't have to like to amplify this. I think it's just my voice, but it looks like I don't have to amplify this at all. It's looking fantastic. Probably gonna have to drop the project rate down a bit, but um, that's just for let's that's just say uh, for saving space. <laughs> and upload time is gonna really impact that. Uh, anyway, back off that. <laughs> uh, but that, that's pretty much it. Um, that's what's been going on. Uh, Newcastle Perm still haven't given me fucking bank card bank bank card yet. Uh, given my pin number, but not my fucking bank card, not my new one. So I've been having to put the money from the Newcastle perm card into the Combank card constantly and that's the budget card and that's what I gotta pay these um, the crew back for some of their petrol um, and my director of photography uh, some lights she bought from Bunnings for the film and they're the great lights by the way and uh, yeah I gotta, I gotta pay them back and uh, right now it's not, looking, it's not looking too good because of how much money I've spent on the weekend uh, for my 21st in Sydney on the weekend I'm doing one of those uh, collar things even though I'm not wearing a fucking shirt but uh, yeah so hopefully that comes soon I might have to give them a call because they're not fucking you know it's always banks isn't it you got to give a, give a call to but I don't, I don't want to be one of those guys just like look uh, I've been waiting for uh, for a couple of fucking days where's the fuck is my card I don't get that cranky on the phone it's, I guess it's just the inside, but I never really externalize it. Um, it's just going to be a little. So, well, uh, you gave me a card, and I just haven't received it yet. Bit of passive aggressiveness, you know. Just, just play with that for a bit, and uh, they'd be like, "Oh, okay, he's getting." I can sense some, some uh, anger. <laughs> I think we might need to give him his card, unless they forgot. I don't, I don't know. It'd be even worse. I'd be even more angry if they forgot, actually, because. I went back and forth with them through emails for like weeks. Two weeks, to be exact. Now, two weeks doesn't sound like a lot of weeks, but it, to me, that was a while. I guess it was the situation I was in. Very hard situation. That's when I like I lost the location and everything. And I, don't know, I think I talked about it on a recent uh, podcast. But some shit went down, and it wasn't fun, I'll tell you. Right. Let's get to the meat of it all. Let's get to the meat of the podcast. Uh, the first film I want to talk about is, uh, let's just go, let's go by order. Ingrid Goes West. Ingrid Goes West. Ingrid Goes West is, uh, I think it's written as well, uh, but it's directed by Matt Spicer. Uh, let me just double check everything. You know, you really, I'm learning, I'm learning a lot here. You've really got to have these pages open already, and I don't have these pages open already, so... Because I don't think that's just my that's my thing. I don't think. Um, let's just get these pages open so I don't have to fucking. I'm just gonna be a bit of a dead air for a bit <laughs> as I get these things open. Yeah, it's written by him too. Okay, fantastic. So it's written. It's directed by Matt Spicer. It's also written by Matt Spicer, and it stars Aubrey Plaza, Elizabeth Olsen. 
Uh, Ice Cube. I don't want to say Ice Cube's son. O'Shea Jackson Jr., that's his name. I keep getting... For some reason, I got him mixed with Jason Mitchell. I think because I think Jason Mitchell plays Easy in Straight Outta Compton. So. Um, and Jason Mitchell was in Detroit as well. And... Um, uh, Wyatt Russell? Kurt Russell's mate? Kurt Russell's son, mate. <laughs> he was in it too, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's them four, but it's mainly it's mainly Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen, and it's and it's uh it's about Aubrey Plaza who plays Ingrid, uh, Thorburn, and she is uh, social media obsessed. Social media obsessed. Uh, the beginning is about her, and it's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. She goes, uh, you can see she's going through Instagram and and seeing all these photos, and um. She's like going through them and liking them and seeing that she's at the wedding. She hasn't been invited to this wedding. So what she does is, I'm getting closer to the microphone. It's where you get louder, isn't it? Got to check these waves, waveforms. Yep, it is. I should stay back here. Uh, she goes to the, goes to the um, she's wedding. You find out she's right outside the wedding. And then she goes in there and kind of attacks her and everything. And then you find out, um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but you find out later it wasn't all that it seems. So... I'm not going to get heavy into spoils there, but I kind of gave you a hint there, which is, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have just let you watch the fucking film. Um, but it's not really a big spoil. That's just the beginning. Um, nothing too crazy. Anyway, the, the meat of it all is she finds this new person on Instagram named Taylor Sloan, who's played by Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen is uh, uh, slaying it at the moment. After Wind River, she is fucking slaying it. Elizabeth Olsen. She is one of the most underrated um, actors of the year, I think. Very underrated actor. Um, especially in 2017. Because Wind River, that was incredible, the performance in Wind River. And her performance in this is one... It's a different performance, but it's it's also very... It's also quite effective as well. Just the way she plays this character of Taylor Sloan. Um, I'm just trying to get... Uh, this, these things up. Excuse me while I do this. And uh, so what Ingrid does is follows her Instagram, uh, looks at all the photos, probably likes them all, spends a night, maybe a night or two liking all these photos because there's a lot of photos in there because Taylor Sloan isn't one of those Instagram stars um, that people have and like probably have, probably have like uh, bots following them and everything. Um, paying for likes and shit, you know, those people. Uh, but Taylor Sloan seems to be legit, so... Um, well, or, uh, Ingrid starts following her and then sees that she's at this joint, this food joint, and then finally comments. Taylor comments on the thing, back to her, and then it seems like Ingrid has a friend. So what Ingrid does is moves to LA. I won't tell you why she moves to LA, but she moves to LA to kind of stalk <laughs> uh, Taylor Sloan, who was uh, Olsen's character. To kind of stalk Taylor Sloan, and then they become friends. Again, I will not say why they become friends, but they became friends. They become friends for this this uh, situation, and um, things kind of you know escalate from there. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Uh, first of all, I just want to say Aubrey Plaza in this film is fantastic. Uh, she lately she's been typecast of this uh, this kind of like this hot mess kind of thing, kind of role. Um, I'm going to watch her in anything she's in because I'm like um, I love Aubrey Plaza. After Parks and Recreation, I became kind of obsessed with her. You could say that. But um, not to the point of like, I'm just like, 
like seeing her every move and everything, but like I really enjoy her <laughs> and watching her because um, she plays with these characters that are just like kind of snarky and sarcastic. But after a few movies, it does, I will admit, it does get a little old, and then you see she starts to be typecast as this snarky, sarcastic hot mess. Um, and unfortunately, that's where I thought she was going, especially after um, 30 Grandpa, especially after Little Hours. I never saw Ned Rifle, um, so I can't really say much about that. But after Little Hours, I was like, oh no, is this going to be, is this just going to be her? Like in Ingrid Goes West, is she going to be the same thing? I, I'm, no, she's not. Orby Plaza has, I can finally say that Orby Plaza has range. And she is really great in this movie. Very vulnerable performance in this film. Um, playing the character of Thingra Forburn. She is very, um, uh, what, what's that word? Um, she's very delusional and she's very, um, she kind of thinks that the, like, this is, this is what she needs to do. She can't be her. She doesn't want to be herself. She's sick of being herself. So she wants to be someone different. She wants to be someone who she looks up to and Taylor is the person that she looks up to. And she wants to become somebody else. And that's one of the best lines from the film is, I'm tired of being me. And it becomes that, and it's in this very emotional scene, so I'm not really doing any justice, but she says, she ends up saying, I'm tired of being me. And I just want to be, you know, what I got was, and what everybody is probably going to get was, I want to be someone else. I don't want to be myself anymore. And I'm just going to say, yeah, very um, vulnerable performance from her. Easily, easily, hands fucking down her best performance of her, her whole career. People talking Oscar buzz about her, but I'm not really... I'm, I don't think she would be nominated, but it'd be cool if she did. That'd be, that'd be, be cool, because I do think it is kind of there. But I'm not... Um, I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be surprised if they didn't nominate her, but I'd be really surprised. And also, but I'd be pleasantly surprised if, if, they, if she even gets a mention. Even, even if she gets like a bit of chatter from like really high sources and everything, but at the moment people are just saying like... Oh, like I think she could get she could get nominated, and there's just some rumors going around, but not the buzz that normal movies kind of get. Like let's say Dunkirk and Detroit, who are, which I'm going to talk about later, um, kind of get. What the fuck was I looking up? Oh, that's right, the last movie. Okay, so I've got all the movies up there. I can actually sound intelligent. How about that? And that's not a normal thing for me. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, I said, I said yes, is great as well. O'Shea Jackson Jr. is the best part of this film. Um, he's playing a guy named, I think it's uh, Dan. Is it Dan? Yeah, Dan. And uh, he's easily, he is easily the best part of the film. He's one of the be He's the best character in the film. He's the one you want to just like, you know, fuck yeah, Dan. You want to, you want him to get through it all. You don't want anything bad to happen to Dan because you love Dan. Um, you like you like Ingrid too, but you kind of see like that she's a little bit psycho, and um, she plays Aubrey Plaza plays a stalker really good, and she's not like it's funny because she's not the hot mess here, but she kind of like kind of is, but she's she has those qualities, but she's not like the hot mess like snarky like eh, like eh, fuck you then like she's very in points she goes to she shows a lot of um. Again, using the word... Uh, again, my vocabulary doesn't extend to the fucking horizon here, folks. So, um... Very vulnerable... Her vulnerability in some scenes uh, is very clear. And you can really feel it. 
Um, and it does, and it, when, especially when you reach the climax, you're just like, wow, it can't be, I just, you couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it came to that. And, uh, it does, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, a lot of great things about the film. I highly recommend seeing it if you're addicted to Instagram, especially because you might need a bit of a detox after seeing this film. Because I felt so weird using Instagram after seeing this. I like I finished it, and then I went. I don't know why. I I I unconsciously opened my phone and uh, Instagram. <laughs> I went to Instagram because I like checking out Instagram daily. Because I don't know. I'm a fucking I'm a zombie like like all of us. And, uh, it's just weird. You, un you just, un like, it's sometimes it's unconscious that you just, that you just open your phone and you t go to an app or you go to, because this film does just, it shows you the, the, um, impact of social media in both good and bad ways. I think mostly bad. I think it, this film is mostly satirical. I think Matt Spicer is probably saying a lot here about the social media culture, especially the culture of social media. And um, this is the extremes that people will go to, and uh, the absurdity of it all. Um, some of these characters in this film, they exist here in Sydney. They exist. I've fucking seen them, and they exist. Um, especially the characters of, of Taylor Sloan and of... And um, there's heaps of, you know, there's heaps of Taylor Sloan's on Instagram. But like Ezra, um, I think is Wyatt Russell's character. Ezra Taylor Sloan's husband? What's his last name? I don't give a fuck. Um, his name's Ezra in the film, and he is, oh man, I've seen, I've seen those types in Sydney, especially around, um, especially around Newtown, no, I fucking love Newtown, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of those types around there, that, um, that are just, they just kind of, they, they're kind of ridiculous, um, there's heaps of types of Bondi, the same thing, oh, Bondi's probably where it did, most of those people are, but, um, and I'm not, I'm not, I know that's what I mean. I'm not bag of Bondi or Newtown, but I'm just saying there's, 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 there's people that, those people live there and they exist. Um, I, and people who, who are from LA are saying, yep, this is the people in LA. They've, they've, he's got it down pat. These people actually exist. Even if they're a kind of exaggerated versions of those people, they fucking exist. And, uh, yeah, just after this movie, I think the impact it had on me was that I use my phone like way, way too much. And, just being on um, any kind of social media app, I kind of just realized, I was just like, I've, like the other day, I got, uh, this is, this is the true, full truth here. The other day I scrolled through Instagram, through the, the fucking discover thing for an hour and a half. I wasted an hour and a half of my life going through the discover section, which is where I don't even follow people. It's just suggestions of things to look at. And you just see all these fucking images. And then I just, I scrolled through that for fucking an hour and a half. I couldn't believe it. And I saw this film like weeks ago, and then I watched it again uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. This was only the other day, so apparently I haven't learned my lesson, <laughs> or like kind of like just like the character of Ingrid in the film. I'm just I'm the same. I didn't. I don't like to admit that I am like like some of these people who spend their time on the phone, but it's it's a harsh truth that. Um, most of today's, myself including, most of today's society are just locked into their phones and it's really sad. Um, this is going to get a little real here, but I'm telling you, like, especially in Sydney, especially on the trains and the buses, people just walking around, they're always on their fucking phone. 
there's nothing to nothing will take them out of it not even conversations with other human beings which is what should be fucking happening um because people you know you know have conversations with people you pay attention to them the one thing i can't stand is that, that i've actually and i used to do this when i was about about, about when i was about 14 15 at family dinners um you know i used to be on the phone playing my apps and everything playing my games and everything because there's nothing to talk about because everybody else is you know everybody else is just like they're talking about things that like would you as a child you wouldn't really associate yourself with that kind of that stuff and um, i just play on my phone but now at every single dinner even with my mates and everything i don't touch my phone i don't look at it because i need to be you know i'm ta- i'm with that person so how fucking rude is it of me to open my mobile um, mobile phone and just look at it while they're fucking saying shit to me because that's just a completely absurd to just ignore them right in front of their face and um, it's 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 sad to see it is sad to see taking my my part out of it because I don't think I do it as bad as everybody else around that I see but on the trains it's the trains are, is the worst because every single person Every single person, I'm not fucking exaggerating, every single person on the train has got their head, like, looking down into their phone, looking at things, reading articles that you can probably just fucking read when you get there. Um, and the real, the real thing that bothers me the most, um, the thing that bothers me the most is when people are walking and they're looking at their phone while they're walking and that, that causes them to walk slow. And then you've got to just kind of just, like, put up with it. Um, I've never really said anything, but I've heard some people that have said stuff and, um, I've got a little story from someone who she said she saw someone on their phone while they were walking and she went up to him and was about to tell him to get off his phone and it turns out he was reading a book. So she was like, oh, I thought you were on your phone. And then he was like, oh no, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. And she goes, I'm really sorry. I, you know, can continue reading, I guess. But I don't know, like people, um, Unless you're look, unless you're constantly looking up, people just doing anything, not looking down, because slow walkers are just really the one of the worst things to me in Sydney. They're just the worst. And if you're not, you know, if you're not looking up or looking where you're going, you're going to be slow. Obviously, you're going to be slow, and you're not going to be able to see where you're fucking going. So that kind of pisses me off. And. Um, you, I'm always trapped behind them. When you get off the train, when you're going through the train station, when you're going like up Elizabeth Street, George Street, Main Street to Sydney, you're just stuck behind this fucking army of zombies that you can't get through. Unless you unless you even say something or unless you just push through, physically just push through and just be like, fuck it, I need to get through here and I'm not going to be stuck behind these fucking... It's scary, man. It's, it's a modern horror. It's a modern horror. Like we're turning into. I just like that was the first word. That was the first word that came to mind when I saw these people on their phones in the train, or when I see these people. You know, it's what's the first one that came to mind? Zombies, because they're just brainless, looking into this, into these screens that are they have in their hand, and they're not paying attention to the world around them or anybody around them because they're so locked laser focused on this screen that houses everything that they um on like use on a daily basis and it's just it's and it's crazy and i have to admit like i'm i'm not one of those people that do it out in public i'm not i'm telling you i'm not as bad as that but at home i'm yeah really bad especially when i get up reading 
people used to read the paper when they got up, right? People used to read the paper when they got up. Now, the paper is Facebook. The paper is Instagram. Um, I got rid of Snapchat. Snapchat's gone. Um, I don't really see any use for Snapchat now that Instagram Stories is kind of just like, you know, why don't I just have the same app that did the same thing? So, um, Snapchat, yeah, I, don't, I got rid of that like months ago. Maybe like two months ago, maybe. And, um... I don't use that anymore, but I Facebook and Instagram. I tell you, it's the morning paper. Facebook gets um, doesn't get. I did have a detox for about a, about, uh, about a few days, and that was good. That was good. Maybe I need to have that detox again because, um, yep, I'm looking through Facebook again, um, like articles and stuff, things that you know might pique my interest. Instagram is the worst though, and after seeing this movie, it just hit home. Instagram is, is, is the worst because I spend so much fucking time on it and I, I don't even fucking care about these people. I don't get it. I don't care about these people. I don't care about them, but it's something, I don't know. Is it something to look at? Is it something to pass the time because I've got nothing really to do at home? I'd love to go outside, but I don't have money. It's, it involves a lot of things and yeah. It's this movie will. I don't know if it'll give it. It'll give some of the people that use Instagram a reality a check, and you're like, holy shit, I'm. It's it's not, it's not going to stop you completely from using your phone, but it's it's going to at least. I think it's going to at least hit you and be and make you be like, make you like just kind of think like, holy shit, yeah, I I I use this way too much. Maybe I spend like I know people that spend three hours a day on Instagram. There's probably more people that spend more time, but I know I know someone that spends three hours on Instagram, and I don't know how that's possible, because it's certainly you'd run out of room on a discovery page, right? Um, but yeah, discover page is the worst. I need to stop doing that. Discover pages. I don't care. I don't care. Like, they, so I don't follow them. So why should I look at their photos? Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy, and it's and and I had to come to terms with that after seeing this film. I just never thought I'd have this massive like breakthrough when I finished this movie. And like, holy shit! I just thought it was going to be this funny movie with Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen. It was just going to be a funny stalker movie, but it's not. It's it makes you think, man. It makes you think, and it's a very dark, satirical look at uh, social media culture and today's modern culture as well. Of like people that you know, fucking these people exist. And, um, yeah, it does make you think about it. Um, so as well as saying that about the movie, my only gripe will probably be that, and this is the thing that, going back to the thing of, of the reality of it all, like, the characters don't learn a thing. Every character remains the same, except, uh, no, 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 every character remains the same, and it sucked for Dan as well that he remained the same, but every character remains the same. Nobody learns a lesson. Nobody learns a lesson. Everybody remains the same. You think like Ezra's gonna make it as well, but no, nah, he he's the same as well because he has like kind of a little a bit of a break, bit of a uh, epiphany, and um, but halfway through, and then no, he just remains. They all remain the same. Ingrid remains the same through the end. She even gets worse at the end, I could say. But I don't know if that's Matt Spicer, um, the director saying that and just letting that like wash over ourselves that this is real and nobody's going to change because this is this is what's you know this is what people are doing now this is this is modern society 
Um, or he just, you know, I don't know if I, because it's, it's hard because at the first I was like, oh no, I didn't like that. I didn't like how nobody learned a thing because people got to learn things, right? And then I just thought about it and then I was just, I was like, well, hmm, maybe he's just trying to say that, yeah, like it doesn't change. People don't learn a thing. So it's hard to really critique it in that, in that way. Um, even though I'm not really, I don't really call myself a critic, but I just like to talk about films and then I, you know, there's bits you don't like, there's bits you do like. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to, at first I was a bit iffy in the ending, but then you kind of, when you, it's, when you think about it more, you're just like, maybe that's what he's trying to say. Maybe that's the director. That's the statement. That's the final nail in the coffin that nobody is the same. Nobody's, nobody changes. And this is, this is it. This is what you have to, this is what we live with. And these people exist. So, yeah. Um, that's really all I've got to say about Ingrid Goes West. Um, it, got, it got deep dead, didn't it? Not too deep, I hope, but... Um, it got some, it'll get people talking, I'll tell you. It'll get people talking. And I think it'll just get you to just think about your life on social media and what you choose to do on social media, what you choose to post, what you choose to put up, and how much you use it on a daily basis. Um, cause I know some people out there that are going to be like, I need to see this film. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> so, uh, Ingrid Goes West, I highly recommend it. Um, good film. Great watch. I've seen it twice. So, um, and I was scared because it wasn't going to come out in Australia and then it finally came out at Dendi. So, thanks Dendi. <laughs> thanks again. Um, yeah. So go watch Ingrid Goes West. Go find Ingrid Goes West if you can find it somewhere. Uh, wait for it to come out in Blu-ray grab the blu-ray i'm probably gonna grab the blu-ray because it uh I, I yeah it's great one of my favorite movies of the year and um yeah that's all i'll say um right where are we sitting oh i managed to get through that quite quickly the quicker than i thought um let's move on Thor Ragnarok is directed by beautifully directed by the way by Taika Waititi who uh, gave us uh, Boy Eagle vs. Shark What We Do in the Shadows and Hunt for the Wilder People and he's finally taken not really finally but he's he was given he was given the mantle of um, of Thor of handling of uh of helming thor and uh marvel said yep do it uh i think the heat is making me insane i'm honestly serious like this is this is crazy this is crazy i need to put this fan back on fuck because i'm just saying shit that doesn't make any sense so yeah thor right was directed by taika waititi it stars chris hamzoff tom edison kate blanchett and uh, Mark Ruffalo and oh my god Tessa Thompson she slays um, from our Creed if you didn't know she was from she's from Creed and uh, also has Jeff Goldblum as well as uh, the Grand Master so what the hell is Thor about Kyle I'll tell you I'll tell you what Thor's about if you haven't seen the trailers yet which were fucking awesome by the way Thor has Mjolnir destroyed by uh, Hela, who is the goddess of death. She comes along, takes uh, pretty much 
just wrecks havoc through as Asgard. Uh, Asgard crushes Mjolnir, so Thor doesn't have Mjolnir anymore. And then Thor gets um, taken. He gets uh, what does what does he do? He um, he leaves. He is banished. That's right. He's banished from Asgard, from Hela, to this um, city of um, I think it was. What's the city called? Uh, I think it's called um, Sakaar. That's it. Um, I couldn't find it, but I just remembered it. Um, Sakaar, and in Sakaar he meets Valkyrie, who is one of the um, is one of the Valkyries that um, had to fight Hela in the um, in the past. He also meets the Hulk, who is uh, much different. I'll say. Um, I'll just say he's. He is changed from Age of Ultron. He is not himself. Let's just say that. He's not himself. And he also meets a funny rock monster named Korg, who's direct, um, voiced beautifully by uh, Taika Waititi himself. And uh, Korg... <laughs> wow. Great. Um, and also, Jeff Goldblum is the grandmaster of this uh, gladiator tournament that Thor kind of gets involved in because he becomes like a prisoner. He gets his head shaved... He becomes a gladiator, and in the arena, he fights the Hulk, and it's in the trailer, because it, it's I'm not spoiling anything, because it's in the trailer, and he fights the Hulk, and he's got to, um, I guess he's got to work with these people to get back to Asgard, especially the Hulk, to get back to Asgard, and take Asgard back from Hela, because Hela is killing, killing folks, and just not giving a fuck, and she's just like, Asgard's now, bitch. Um, also, there's a big monster underneath Asgard that wants to destroy it. Um, is, it is it beneath Asgard? Is, is he in, like, he's in, like, another realm, I think, but he's gonna come to Asgard and he has, like, a massive sword. But that's, that's, I'm not gonna say anything about that. This movie was a breath of fresh air to me. This is, uh, exactly what Thor needed. Uh, Thor is not really my most favorite of the Marvel films, Probably my least favorite, if I'm going to be honest. Um, Thor: The Dark World is probably the worst Marvel movie, I think, in my opinion. Uh, I I liked Thor, but Thor: The Dark World was just yeah, not uh, not there for me. Um, it kind of kind of sits on the bottom with um, Iron Man two, and uh, probably Captain America: The First Avenger because I wasn't really. As much as I did like that movie, I, it wasn't the best one. I didn't think in the whole cinematic universe. Like, I'm not talking like... Uh, Sorry. <sighs> Sorry about that. Uh, I'm not talking like Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Winter Soldier, good. Civil War, good. And uh, I was there, kind of up there. And let me happily say that Thor Ragnarok is one of the best Marvel films I think ever made. And it's up there. It's up there with Winter Soldier... Guns of the Galaxy and Civil War. And, um... Because I think my favourite would be... Uh, I think my favourite is Guardians. And then it's Winter Soldier. And I'd say my third one would be Thor Ragnarok. And then Civil War after that. Because Ragnarok exactly is exactly what Thor... In my opinion, is exactly what Thor needed. He was just too... He was too serious, and there's, there's so much... People are making fun of him, and there's, there is so much to make fun of with Thor, because... Um, 
I just, I think I just said fun of a TH. There's so much to make fun of it for because it's just such a... He's so serious all the time and you just want to like poke the... Poke some... Get some... You know, poke him. Poke some fun at the man. At the god himself. God of thunder. And, uh... You know, make some jokes. Make some jokes. And Taika Waititi certainly does that. Makes a lot of jokes. This movie is fucking hilarious. Um, as well as being a really fun, entertaining superhero film, slash just film in general, it's fucking hilarious. Um, in the style, it's so Taika Waititi, and that's what you, I, love, I love that. I love when you can see a director's style in a film. Um, and that's the thing to me with uh, Marvel films, especially, because there's some that don't really like, you know, like some of them don't even know the director's name, and it's just like that. James Gunn had his style Guns of the Galaxy, uh, Shane Black had his style with Iron Man 3, and you can because you can tell a lot of things from his, um, and I, th from his like his style and everything, you can tell all the things he did utilize. I think Russo brothers are starting to name, make a name for themselves as well, um, and they're kind of I don't know, I can't really pinpoint what their exact style is, but I like I'm I like what they're doing and I know their names, so that's good. Isn't that good? <laughs> And, um, the same goes with, um, uh, Peyton Reed, who did, um, Ant-Man. Um, Edgar Wright was supposed to do Ant-Man, then Peyton Reed kind of did it. And, um, it's, it's funny, it's, it was hard to tell with that one who, who, which bits were Edgar Wright and which bits were Peyton Reed, because I've never heard of Peyton Reed before. And, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was hard to tell which bits were which. Um, James Gunn, you can tell it's all him, James Gunn. And then with Thor Ragnarok, you can so tell Taika Waititi's style is all over this film. All over it. With the jokes, with some of the characters, he reuses some of his cast as well. Um, the police officer from Hunt for the Wilder People plays one of the, uh, one of the uh, warriors in Sakaar with, um, with Valkyrie. And... Um, and then he, again, he is his own, he likes to be in his own films as well, so he plays the character of Korg, who is easily the best fucking character in the film. <laughs> because he's so fucking funny, man. He says the funniest shit um, I've heard all year. Um, some of the funniest shit I've heard all year, because we'll get to a, a comedy in a minute for another film. But, um, yeah, he says some of the funniest shit I've heard all year, and it's just... Um, some bits, there were some jo some jokes did miss. I'll say that some jokes did miss, but most of them just landed for me. And I I found Floor Ragnarok to be one of the most entertaining films of the year. It'll probably be in, it might be in the top ten. Who knows? Because we're reaching your award season now, and this is where the movies could come in. But you know, we could chuck some comedy in there as well. I love Spider Man Homecoming, but I think Thor Ragnarok was the better Marvel film this year. Better than Marvel, um, better than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two as well. I, yeah, I do think it's one of the best. I think it is the best Marvel Marvel film uh, that's come out in 2017. Now to say in 2018, when, we, when Infinity War comes out, ooh, I don't know, because I think Infinity War might be the best one in 2018. Is that the only one in 2018? By the way, I don't know. Is is that when Captain Marvel comes out? 2018. I don't really know the full facts and all that stuff, but um, yeah, very fun, very entertaining. It, uh, you you don't you don't get bored for a second because everything is just it it's it's great it's it's beautifully paced as well you don't get bored for a second Taika Waititi has complete control from beginning to end and um, it's just funny to see 
finally see some humor in Thor and Chris Hemsworth, his comedic timing is excellent. Who knew? Like you saw a bit of it in Vacation, but that movie was kind of trash. But so, but in here he just showcases it so well, and and I I heard like eighty percent of the film is improv as well. So that's kind of impressive. That's kind of impressive that these 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 actors can um, have that have that ability to. Um, to you know, bounce off each other and make these jokes. Because um, I think they kept it in... I watched an interview with Taika, and um, he was talking about one of the scenes is... I don't, this is this is kind of like a minor spoiler, but there's a scene where Hulk... It's in the trailer as well. Hulk and uh, Thor are sitting on a bed, and then he talks like... I think Thor says, we're just a couple of hot-headed fools. And uh, Thor goes, um, yeah, like fire. And he goes, yeah, like fire. And then Hulk says... But Hulk like raging fire, Thor like smoldering fire, and then you can see Thor laugh, and apparently that is actually Chris Hemsworth's laugh. Chris Chris Hemsworth's Hemsworth's laugh to um to what Mark Ruffalo um said, and uh, Mark, Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo in this film as well. Great, great. Um, as Bruce Banner, like not even as the Hulk, as because the Hulk was amazing in this film. I love the Hulk stuff in this movie. Love the Hulk stuff. I love the Hulk talking as well. That's awesome as well. Love the Hulk talking. And um, but Mark, Mark Ruffalo was really good in this film. I loved him. Um, the standout to me was Korg. I say, uh, but yeah, I love the Hulk as well. The Hulk talking. Valkyrie's kick ass. Tessa Thompson. Slay girl, slay! Oh my god. Um, Loki was great too. They make because they make a lot of fun of a lot of things that happen in the Thor films that they don't just like. You're just like, oh well, he's just gonna obviously because no, you, you you know you watch like uh, Thor or Thor: The Dark World and Loki every single time. Loki just betrays him right at the end and just be like, oh you know blah blah blah. Um. Ah fuck. Um. Well, let's say he they kind of team up and then right at the end Loki kind of stabs him in the back and be like ah you know I'm the god of mischief of course I'm gonna you know stab you in the back and then they make that joke in this film and I'm like ah oh, that's cool they acknowledge that um but yeah very entertaining film I'm not sure what I can say about it um go and see it if it's I don't think it's out though I, mean, I don't think it's still out but uh, when it comes out do see it I think it's one of the best Marvel films ever made I think it's one of the best Marvel films in the whole bunch uh, I think the only points I'd take off would be um, some of the jokes didn't land much and there's a scene at the end where I c they could have went for emotional um, a very it's a very emotional scene and um, Taika chooses to go for levity instead of being emotional and I think that could have been emotional I, I don't think there had to be levity there I think it could have been emotional because there is there is some parts in this movie that are emotional and they choose to go for that bit, but there's just, it's about placement and it's about where you put those um, moments, which is pretty much the fucking same thing as so placement, Kyle. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's about where you, where correctly how you choose to put the, put those moments in and where to inject that, in, where, where to inject the humor. And that bit, I think, needed emotional, um, it needed some weight to it, but instead uh, it's, played for levity and played for jokes so um that would probably be my only thing other than that very enjoyable film um i'd probably I'd, i would see it again if i could um but 
I had to see a lot of other films that were coming out as well. So, and I was also very busy with my own film. So yeah, go see Thor Ragnarok. Um, it's a fucking beautiful two hours and ten minutes. And Taika Waititi, I can't wait for what he does next, honestly. I think what we do in the shadows, there's sequels coming out soon, so I'm very excited for that. Super excited for that. Um, yeah, and if you haven't seen what we do in the shadows yet, um, do yourself a fucking favor. <laughs> and please watch what we do in the shadows. Um, even Boy. Boy's really good too. Watch Boy as well. And Hunt for the Wool People, of course. But what we do in the shadows is easily my favorite Taika Waititi film. And, um, it's, I think it's his most, it's his most, it's his most funny, um, it's a great concept, <coughs> excuse me, it's a great concept, and it's executed well, and it's just a great watch. Looks like a docker, but it's a great fucking, yeah, I'm gonna wrap it up. It's, again, it's the heat, it's fucking hot in here, bro. So, yeah, see Thor Ragnarok, um, because I think it'd be a good use of your time. Let's move on, eh? Let's, uh, let's move on. Now, just last week, I had the pleasure, the absolute pleasure, of catching Yorgos uh, Lanthimos's new film, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And uh, if you don't know who Yorgos is, he did Dogtooth, and he also did um, last year's The Lobster. And The Lobster, as you know, if you people have been listening since the start, uh, was my fourth favorite film of the year last year. And um, I think this film is going to sneak into the top ten as well. This is... The Killing of a Sacred Deer is one of the best films I've seen this year. And uh, again, it has his style. It's so fucking dark. It's so dark and it's so just fucking heavy to watch, but... At the same time, it's so funny. I don't know how he does it. His humor is still there. You know, I spoke to someone who said um, that his uh, that said, "Oh, it's it's a great film. It's an unsettling watch." But he, I feel like he's lost his humor. No, sweetheart, his humor is still there. In my opinion, his humor is still there. He's still got that humor because I found some fucking dialogue in this film just hilarious. Um, let's before we get into it. I should have said what the fucking movie is about. Um, so, Killing of a Sacred Deer is directed by and written by Yorgos Lanthimos. And uh, it's about Stephen, who's played by Colin Farrell, who was also in The Lobster. He plays a surgeon. And uh, when he meets this... when He's, he's been meeting with this young boy uh, named Martin. And uh, when he's faced with a... let's How do I say this without doing spoilers? When he's faced with a kind of difficult... Uh, decision, very unthinkable decision, unfathomable sacrifice. Sacrifice is a good word without spoiling, I guess. He has to really... Things really start to turn sour, sinister, and he really has to start... You know, start to think about think about it all, and it start, his life just starts to just crumble when this thing, when this thing, inverted commas, happens. And it's insane. Uh, and I said, as I said, so I've, I've said it's one of the best, film, best films of the year. I think it's incredible. I think it's going to get a lot of people thinking, talking, especially about the subject matter, especially how Yorgos' mind works. I don't know how he does it, but he creates this world that you want to be 
It just creates this world you want to be in, but you also, like, don't want to be in, but you really want to be in it. <laughs> it's like erotic horror. It's really... I think that's the best way to describe it, really. Like, erotic... It's very horrific, as in, it's like Raw earlier this year. I watched Raw, and it's very disgusting to look at. But you want to be there at the same time, because it's just such a interesting world that has been built... And you want to be there with his character. Well, I don't know if you want to be there as characters, but <laughs> I don't know. I want to. I want to be in a Yorgos's movie. I want to be in a Yorgos movie because it's just the atmosphere. I want to talk in that blunt dialogue because he uses the same blunt dialogue he did in the Lobster, of like um, saying just really absurd things, but in a very blunt way. So it's you know people could look at that and say, oh well, they're not acting. This is boring. But it's all about the dialogue that Yorgos has uh, written. And um, the way these characters deliver the lines, uh, these actors deliver the lines, it's just f it's funny as fuck, man. But then again, when you get back to the subject matter, it's so dark, depressing. Um, just, oh my god, it's just, it's disgusting. It's, what, what, the, the things that happen in this film that will probably have your mouth just agape on the floor, can't get it off. And there's things that happen where you'll laugh, like this film will make you laugh, it'll make you just shiver, just shiver in terror. It'll make you kind of, maybe, who knows, you could be laughing out of um, being uncomfortable, you could be laughing out of just, um, just at the lines and how they're delivered by these um, characters. Or you could be just sitting there, just eyes glued to the screen because... Oh, my eyes were glued to the screen. This film goes for uh, two hours. And not once was I bored again. A again, Yorgos, he maintains this pace that you just... its, a it's And it is, it is a slow pace. And it's more for the people that do like a nice slow pace or a nice... Um, that are fans of slow pace. And I, I like slow pace, so I found the play pace to be, to be good at like... Um, I don't know, accessible enough for people that don't even like slow pace. I think it's enough to, for people that don't even like slow pace. Um, there'll be a few scenes where people will be like, oh, that, that shouldn't have been in there or that, you know, they could have done without that. But every single scene, I think, was awesome, was great. My eyes were glued to the screen. Um, I think it's a terrific film. And uh, it definitely needs to be watched by more people, especially your more general audiences. Because I want to, like, I just imagine the reaction people would get out of this. Because I'm kind of used to, um, as, as a fan of Yorgos, I'm kind of used to his humor, his atmosphere, his, his um, sorry, his style, the worlds he builds, the characters he creates, he writes. Um, so I'm kind of used to everything that he does now. He's yet to, because um, every time, like, I'm not saying he's yet to surprise me, but every time he, um, no, what am I trying to say? Um... Uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Fuck. Oh, it's not fun. He, um... He makes a good movie every time. Like, Dogtooth would probably be, um... Probably my favourite. Actually, it might be between this or Dogtooth. It's hard. Dogtooth is a very good film, though. I... Yeah. The Lobster's good, too. But I think Dogtooth is still better than... The Lobster. Um... Where the lobster plays on a lot of humor. There is humor in this this film, but it's way more dramatic and more um, mysterious than um, the lobster. 
The Lobster has a lot of absurd sequences and a lot of the same dialogue in this film, but they have a lot of absurd sequences and it's played more for comedy. And the comedy kind of comes... The comedy kind of comes where the characters say this blunt dialogue, but the, everything that surrounds this, this their dialogue and their situations, it's, it's hard to watch, man. And uh, there's some dark shit that happens in this film. But I'm telling you, your eyes will be glued to the screen. You won't want to leave your seat. You might grip the seat a little, like, oh, shit, this is uncomfortable. But um, you're going to watch the whole... You'll be there for the ride. It's a, it's a great film. Um, Colin Farrell's great as well. Um, I must, I must give a shout-out to um, whoever played Martin. What's his name? Okay, Barry Keegan? Barry Keoghan? Sorry, Barry. But uh, Barry, I think I'm just going to Barry Keegan. Who played Martin? Holy shit. The best villain of 2017. The best villain of 2017. Hands down. Better than any like superhero film or anything. This guy is a menace. He is um, more than who was in, who is um, Poulter's character in Detroit, who I'll get to in a minute. Um, this guy is just... He's, he's, he's very... He's unnerving. He's unnerving to watch. And... Um, it has to be Yorgos' directing and everything, but he's just, there's, there's a, there's a scene in this film that is, it's funny, but it's also just, it just hits you like, oh shit. And it's like, it's, it's the point where the thing happens. Um, but the, the way, the way he does it is, is funny, but what he's saying is not funny at all. So I don't, and I can't, I, I can't say it without spoiling it. I can't say the scene without spoiling it, and what he says without spoiling it. But it's that's the scene. It takes place in a hospital cafeteria, and it's between the characters, um, Colin Farrell's character and Barry Keegan's character. It takes place in a hospital cafeteria, and it's very quick. It's a very quick scene, and uh, that's all I'll say. So look out for that scene, and you'll be like, oh, you're, hopefully you'll have the same effect that I did, because I was just like, oh shit, wait, what did he say? Oh wait, oh wait, what? <laughs> and um and he kind of like I definitely need to, I definitely need to go see this film again definitely but I don't think I'll be able to get time to um I really want to see it again though um because I just want to be in that world again it's he creates this world again that you just you want to be in but you don't want it but you, but you kind of do but you don't but you kind of it's, it's it's like a uh What's another... Is there another saying for a double-edged sword? I'm not too sure. Um, let's just... You know what? Let's just look it up. Let's just look it up. Hey? We got we got time. We got time. Um, uh, let's just go... Different. Different. Say... Four... Double... Oh, shit. Here we go. Okay. Yeah, no. No, let's just use that one. It's a double-edged sword. I tried to find a different saying for double-edged sword, but I couldn't really find it. Um, this, the world, the line that you want to cross to get into his world is a double-edged sword. You want to stay on your side, but you kind of do want to venture into his world of just, like, terror, but, but, um, it's like, um, melancholy as well. Melancholy, definitely. 
Um, I'm just trying to find the right words to use. But uh, again, I can't think of them because I don't have that. Uh, I don't have a thesaurus, thesaurus in my brain, and I can't even say thesaurus. So yeah, I can't even say it. So that just tells you how fucking of a stupid fucking idiot I am. Um, but it's definitely yeah. He, he's. I think Barry Keegan should be nominated for an Oscar. I think he should. I'm just saying it. I think he should be nominated for an Oscar for this film because he's fucking scary. And he, I don't want to see this kid. I don't want to see this kid in a dream. <laughs> I don't want to see this kid on the street. I don't want to see this kid like waiting at the end of a hallway because I'd be I'd fucking bolt the other way. Um, he's just he's so subtle, but he's so menacing. He's such a presence. His presence is there in the film. You feel it. And um, you're just like, but he's not even that. He's not even that um, threatening. Like he is a threat, but he's not even that. Like he's not. He's not like an. He's not saying these things like do this thing or I'll fucking, or I'll fucking shoot your wife or I'll kill your fucking kids or something like that. Or like he's like the main villain. He's not. He's not the main villain. Like he, well, he's he is the main villain, but he's like he's not like your name. You're like ha 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 ha. I have con- you know, I'm gonna destroy the world and do all that. So he's not like that kind of villain. He's just this presence that you want to run away from, that you don't want to see, that you don't want to get near because he's just this disgusting. Ah, oh, this just this. He's terrifying, and he's a kid. Probably he pulled it off. Yorgos, and that's all the Yorgos, the and the acting of Barry Keegan. Fantastic. He's the easily to stand out this film. Nicole Kidman was great too. Um, people having problems with Colin Farrell, but I thought he was fantastic as well. Um, but Barry Keegan was definitely, definitely hands down, hands down the uh, standout in this film. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely do, if you have the time, definitely do go and see, if you like the lobster, if you love lo- Dog's Tooth, if you didn't like any of them, just do it, just fucking roll the dice and go see this film and just, just be like, just be mesmerized by the world Yorgos, um, envelops you in, and kind of has you there, he doesn't, he has complete control of the tone the whole entire time, he, there's no time where he loses it, there's no time where he where he makes a slip and then you're like, oh, oh, oh let's, you know, because you can easily, as a filmmaker myself, you can easily lose control of your tone and you can, it kind of gets a bit, a bit dis- discombobulated. But Yorgos has complete control the whole entire time and The Killing of a Sacred Deer is one of the best films of the year and I recommend you see this film. Oh my God, go see it. Finally, wow, I thought it was going to take two hours, but it's actually taking less. That's re- That's good, that's good for me. Finally, guys, I went to see this film tonight. Um, depends what time it is, though. Yeah, I can still say it tonight. I went to see this film tonight, and um, really glad I did because I had a choice of what to see. I really wanted to see this film um, first. By the way, there's definitely things that I've said in the, about these about these movies that I'm gonna forget. Um, but I'm easily going to listen back to this podcast and when I'm editing it and just being like, oh fuck, I should have said this because there's so many times where there's always that time where you just like, you listen to it or you, or you make, let's say you make a, let's say you write a, let's say you write an article and then you forget like what you were going to say and then you're like, oh fuck, I should have said this instead. Oh fuck, I should have used this words. Um, these words. Um, oh, I should have mentioned this. Oh yeah. Like, you know, you know, you, you, you get what I mean. 
Um, there's definitely going to be that with me. That's always that for me. And it sucks when you when you um when you remember that. Doesn't it suck? Well, yeah. Anyway, so I had the uh, chance to go see a couple of movies actually at the Dendi um, for this using this birthday celebration kind of um, offer thing that they do for a dollar, by the way. And as my birthday was yesterday, I went to I was like, no, nah, all right, tonight I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything Wednesday night. I want to go see Detroit. So there, and there's one session. It's uh, ten past six that I had to get to. This is a bit of a little backstory, a little bit of context to <laughs> me and um, this film. And uh, I have a workshop on thing on tomorrow, as I said, and I had to edit this sequence together. Um, and I was like, all right, so I need to do this quickly so I can catch this session. So I edit, quickly edit the sequence together. It doesn't really matter how I edit it because it's just, um, it's not supposed to be like anything professional. It's just supposed to be how the, how the scene plays out and it's comparing it to uh, my current my uh, my current um, project that I'm uh, that I'm editing, and uh, just to see how they how they compare and how which and how different they are from each other. So it wasn't really that much of a big deal. So it took me about like half an hour, maybe forty minutes, to um, edit that together, and I, I I made it. I made it to the um, screen of Detroit. There's a few people in there already. Um, it sucked because this this film had very uh, less sessions than I thought because I, I thought I was going to make like a later session. Because I like later sessions. And um, I thought I was going to make a later session. And uh, I saw that there was only one six, ten, ten past six session. I was like, oh, fucking hell, it's so early. And uh, so I managed to get that done and race to the theater after go and see it. And uh, boy, am I glad I did. Detroit is directed by Kathleen Bigelow. And it's about the riots that took place in Detroit in 1967. And um, more specifically about the event that went down at the Algiers Hotel when a bunch of um, Detroit Police Department officers were involved with a, I think it was five black guys and two white girls. And, uh, and it's very, and it's everything that took place in that accident, everything that led up to it, everything that took place in that situation and in the aftermath of it all. And Detroit has it all. Every two hours and 23 minutes is dedicated to this situation, this back, the backdrop of the riots, this situation, and the fallout of it all. And um, first of all, i got to say Detroit is a very hard watch, very intense film. And uh, you'll, you'll want to just leave the cinema in a good way. You want to just like you want to just like kind of distance yourself from the situation. You want to be some, you want to be like some of the cops here in the, in this film and just be like, look, I don't want to be any part of this because this is just this is this is, this is fucked. So I'm just going to give a bit of a um, context to what is the film, uh, what happens in the film. So pretty much, uh, Detroit riots is going on, and that was um, started by uh, in the film. It, it started by uh, it shows you through this this um, sequence, this animation sequence, which I think didn't really belong into it. It just didn't fit the the rest of the film. I think I could have done without it. I could have just. I think we could have just used white text, like Blade Runner, um, or red text. Uh, probably white text, actually. Like most factual films, um, we could have just used white text because I think I just would have done done with that. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And that's how the ride started. All right, let's get into it. 
um, but instead uh, they choose the filmmakers did choose to use this kind of like kids animation to try and explain how we got to the riots and I just wasn't quite enough on board with that I don't think it really fit the rest of the film so I was like oh okay a bit of a nitpick but yeah didn't need it um, so the blind pig uh, these war veterans come home and they uh, celebrated this place called the blind pig and then the police shut it down and then that's kind of how the riots kind of escalate from there I think it goes on for Oh, how many nights? I'm not too sure, but they kind of escalate from there. And these riots, these are these are the, these are the massive Detroit riots that happened in the 1960s. Um, I don't know the full story behind it. I'm going to be honest; I didn't know the full information behind it. But now I want to now I want to learn more about it because of what happened in this film, which just made me very pissed off of what I what I saw in this um, in this film, um, especially everything that happened at the Algiers Hotel. Um, because of what happens was, what happens is, uh, there is, so a group of police officers, uh, National Guard, U.S. Army, and other police departments from around the country have to kind of patrol Detroit, there's curfews on and everything, and what happens is they hear a gunshot, and they run to the Algiers Hotel, and, um, they pretty much... They go have these this police officer who's played by Will Poulter. He has he has to have suspects, so he rounds up these black guys and puts them against the wall. And they and they they happen to be with these white girls. He puts them everybody against against the wall, and then for about an hour and um because you get the setup and this is like this is the meat of it all. Um, about an hour and I'd say ha, uh, I'd say about an hour is dedicated to this whole sequence. Of what happened. And uh, yeah, I, again, the film. This is the first film this year has made me just angry. Just uh, very, just walking out of the film, just like, oh my God, how the fuck could that happen? Like, how the, f how the hell did, you know, why were these police officers like this? And it, and it's hard. It's 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 a sad truth that they were like that now um, those days. And what the what the irony is is that. This is what they're. This is what some of them are like in in a, in a way. Some of them are like nowadays. Um, going everything that's happening in America with um, police brutality and everything. It. This movie has come out of the kind of the right time, to be honest. And. Um, it's reflect. It reflects on that, and you can definitely kind of make that connection. Just like, oh shit, this is yeah, this is. Because it makes you think about that more, like what else is happening, and and all the injustice that happens in America with the police um, um, judiciary system, and um, the uh, the injustice that the uh, particularly African Americans face on um, a daily basis. And um, I know I'm not the voice of power and everything, but I just wanted to say that's my two cents on it all. Um, yeah, first of all, I've got to give. My biggest, uh, just fucking hands down bow to um, Will Poulter. He transformed in this movie. Uh, he was someone else. Um, he he's no longer the funny bloke from Where the Millers with the massive eyebrows with the from the guy from the, uh, Newt. I think his name's Newt from the Maze Runner. With the big old eyebrows, and he's thinking, like, we put up his eyebrows, and he's like, oh, that's the kid with the eyebrows. Oh, that's eyebrows, kid. Yeah, right. 
No, Will Poulter is his fucking name and he's here to fucking stay because this movie just proves it. Um, he's fucking scary in this film. He's very scary. Just like I said with Barry Keegan and the Killing of a Sacred Deer, Will Poulter, in a, in a different way, in a different way, is menacing, disgusting to watch, and you want to just, you kind of want to like leave your seat, like you kind of wish your seat like went back more because you want to just be away from this man as much as possible because he's kind of like the leader of all the police officers. Um... The leader of all these police officers uh, that have these black guys and two white girls against the wall have these people. Let's just call them. I'll just call them people for the rest of the thing. Just save me some words. Um, have these people up against the wall, and uh, he's kind of running the show, and he's encouraging. You could say he's kind of encouraging uh, all these other 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 these all these other white officers to do the same thing as he is, and he believes he's in the right. And that's the thing I loved about his performance, that he actually made me believe that he believes he's in the right, like he's doing the right thing. Because as the, you, you can easily go down a path when you're playing a um, an antagonist. You can you can easily go down a path of just, oh, they're just reveling it at all. And they know they're bad. And, I, and, I, and I'm saying this from a personal experience because I had an audition workshop earlier this year where I told the actor that I was auditioning um, to be to be an arsehole. Be an arsehole. You gotta be an arsehole to this girl. Like you gotta because it was it was this uh, it was a scene uh, from this TV show that I was um, just mimicking. And I said, you gotta be an arsehole to this girl. You are a fucking you're a douchebag. You're a fucking you're you're a you're a cunt. <laughs> Let's just say that you're a cunt and you're you have to antagonize her all you like all you can possibly do and uh one of these one of the directors pulled me aside and said why are you telling him that and i was like i was like what do you mean he has to he's a villain he has to be um he has to be that way and he was like how's he gonna you know he she she pulled me aside and said "A, a real villain doesn't think it's like that it's like a crazy person doesn't think they're crazy so a real villain doesn't think they're a villain. A real asshole doesn't think they're an asshole. He said, so you need to, in terms of direction, you need to tell him that he thinks he's in the right and he thinks he's doing the right thing. And don't, she said, don't tell him that, he's, that he has to be an asshole. You need to tell him that he's doing, he thinks he's doing the right thing and he believes he's in the right here. And that was one of the biggest lessons I've taken away from a workshop and from a, from another um, a director. I've learned a lot of lessons, and that's one of the big ones, especially in an audition where you have to um, pretty much give them you, you know um, give them the directions and then trying different things at the workshop and different things, uh, and that goes to rehearsal as well. And I can just tell that Catherine Bigelow here, in terms of her direction, has told Will Poulter said. This is what this guy believed. Um, I forget what his name was. But this is what this guy believed. This is what this officer believed. He believes he's in the right the whole time. He believes he's doing the right thing. And he believes that this is how this he this is how he can relieve this situation. And um, and that's that's what I did when I when I watched this movie, I'm like, holy shit, he actually thinks he's right. He actually thinks he's doing the right thing, but he's such a fucking cunt that you just want to just not be there with him. And I tell you what, in this Algiers sequence, you feel like you're there. 
you feel like you're there with these with these people with these um, racist as fuck officers who think they can have have total power who think they have total power well it's but that's a scary thing they actually do have total power because it's in their jurisdiction it's in Detroit so it's their thing it's not the police de- it's their police department and the scary thing is watching the sequences certain officers from other areas of um, of the of the state of the country they even they even walk in and they see what's going on and they just leave they just walk away and that's what you want to do when you're watching this movie you just want to walk out the cinema but I mean that in a good way you just want to walk out the cinema and just, just kind of just be like I don't want anything to do with this because what's going on here is not right and I don't want to be caught up in the mess that this could be this could escalate into and uh, it's just it was just to see they just basically just to see National Guard to see army army um, to see troopers just look at what's going on and just feel helpless and just be like and just just walk away leave get in their cars and drive away because Detroit PD has the situation under control in the wrong way has it under control because they have the total power and authority in the situation nothing can do any and that's the that's the hard thing about watching especially this sequence and I have to just just keep mentioning this sequence especially in this sequence because nobody can do a thing these guys are in control the whole time and there's nothing nobody can do they can, you know, they can shout all they want. They can call the police motherfucker. But these police can do whatever they want. And that's what was so scary about watching it all. Was because... It's it's crazy how when people get authority, the things they will do when they have authority. Because they have complete freedom to, to carry out any action they please. And... It kind of reminded me of the Stanford Prison Experiment, and that's I, can't, I still need to read the book. I really would like to read the book still, um, the Lucifer Effect. But um, the movie, the, the Stanford Prison Experiment, um, which had Billy Crudup in it and um, Nicholas Braun, and uh, there's a few of the, there's a few other guys who I don't remember, but uh, Ezra Miller was in it too. Uh, that was a great movie, by the way. Recommend that one if you want to like watch a movie where that is actually based on a real psychological study. Of how um, uh, power corrupts authority. Yeah, go watch that. And this is another perfect example of how, when you're given the authority, people have free reign to do whatever the fuck they want. And they, not everyone has, because it, it also comes to turn to morality. Because not not everyone has the. Um, you know, has the, has the, has the uh, tendency to do those kind of things because they feel like that's not the right thing, and that's where it comes down to morality, where you're just like, oh, I know I have complete power here, and this some officers here do just kind of distance themselves away and just like, look, I don't want to do these things because some of the things these police officers do to these people that they assume are suspects are just horrific. It's horrific to watch. And you can't believe that this is real, and you can't believe these police officers have done this. And it's sad to even think about that it's happening today in today's modern world. It's still happening. And I think this film was released at a perfect time because it does reflect on what's happening right now. What's happening 
what happened recently in, um, I think it was Jacksonville, wasn't it? Um, where, you know, armed, especially unarmed African-Americans or unarmed people are shot for no particular reason. Just because the police saw them as a threat and were probably lying in their statements and saw them as a threat, they said they needed to be put down. Because something happens in this film where Will Poulter's character kind of twists this situation. He gets caught in the situation and he says that something needed to be done because this man like did this, did this, did this, I'm not going to spoil it, but he did this, did this, and I had to do something. Um, and you're probably already gathering for what he does there, but it's not really, it's nothing, that doesn't really affect the rest of the story, so that's, I'm, I don't really call that a spoiler because it doesn't really affect, it's just a more of a development of his character and, and, and more... Um, the build of what you're going to experience when he, when he gets this, because as soon as Will Poulter walks into the fucking Algiers Hotel, he has control. He's carrying, he's, as soon as this officer has these people up against the wall, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And he does that. He chooses to do just uh, appalling things to these poor um, African Americans, these poor girls as well. Uh, and I'm not going to say what they do, but um, they they antagonize them, they beat them, uh, they manipulate them, uh, they play play games with them, and it's just it's horrifying to watch. And I, I can call this like I have to call this a, this could be a horror film. This could be a horror film because if this is what in terms of horror is in term um, horror in terms of being realistic and not not trying to be like you know supernatural like monsters, but a horror film in the way that this is what these people did, and this is what people can do and what people are capable of in situations like this. And it was just oh man, scary, scary. He was terrifying. And every time you saw him screen, with the, <laughs> and I think it was the eyebrows that like make him more scary because he raises his eyebrows a lot. And he does these faces, and you're just like, fuck, man. I just want to... I don't want to even... I don't want to even have the pleasure of, like, killing you. And that, that, that sounds, like, horrible. But, like... Yeah, in a movie thing. Like, I didn't, I didn't want a character to come on screen and, like, shoot him dead. I wanted him to get... I didn't want him to die in this film. That's the first time I didn't want to see a character die. I wanted to see the worst punishment this person could get. I wanted to see the worst punishment this character could receive and I wanted to see it happen to him because the way he portrays the character just builds a fire inside you and just makes you just be like oh, I hope you get what's coming to you you motherfucker because these things you're doing are just um, they're completely um, oh, I can't think of the word Uh, un unattainable? Is that it? Uh, no, irredeemable. Irredeemable. Because, no, there's no way he can come back from this. He reaches these heights, these lengths, and there's no way he can come back from it. Um, anyway, jumping off... <laughs> I'm talking about way too much about him. He's easily the standout in this film. 
Uh, jumping off him, John Boyega is in this too. Um, I haven't seen him in Star Wars The Force Awakens, so I can't really say much about, you know, oh, he's changed in this film, he's transformed. But I will say, I will, I'll be, I will be watching John Boyega from now on because he was also fantastic in this movie. He, he, and he had a hard job to do. He had to, he had to watch these things happen to these people, and be angry about it, and be silently just like very pissed off about it. But at the same time, he can't do anything about it because he's not. He's just a security officer, and I think his second job is like a metal sheet worker, and uh, he's just a security officer in this thing at this place and he's just there because he hears the gunshots and he goes to these people and then he's there the whole time he sees these things happen and um there's nothing you can do about it because he doesn't have the jurisdiction he can't do shit these officers have has 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 the, have the complete control and uh everybody who plays officers are fantastic as well um especially the other guy the, lo- the, the guy with the long hair he was good um, and everybody's sweating too, like, this cinema had an aircon and everything, but I was sweating, I was sweating with everybody, I was, I was there, I was there at the RGs, I was, I was in it, it's the way, the way it's filmed is very realistic, it feels like, it doesn't feel like a documentary, it doesn't feel like a film, it feels like you're, it, these are real people and it's happening, it's happening to them, and you're there, but there's nothing you can do about it because you're, obviously you're not there, <laughs> But there's nothing you can do about it. You just you just gotta sit there and just take in what the hell is going on on screen. And it's just, oh man, it's 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 tough. It's rough to watch. Um, and I just, and it's worse because, you know, when it's tough to watch and it's a fake thing, you're just like, oh, it's tough to watch. But you know, it's it's a film. But it's it's I know it's it's tough to watch, but it's a film. But this happened, man. This actually happened. Can't believe it. It's it's crazy to think that human beings are capable of doing these just horrific things. Um, especially hearing from stories, um, especially hearing about the men nowadays with the um, sexual allegations against them, and um, a personal uh, a personal friend of mine experienced that. A uh, very very close friend of mine, very close. Uh, friend of mine experienced that and I just couldn't believe the um, I couldn't believe that humans or men uh, men especially just letting the whole their whole gender down of, of males they're just letting letting us all down just like painting us as these you know because not everyone does this and that's what I like about this film because Catherine Bigelow doesn't just paint every officer in the thing as as racist it's just these people it's just these four officers that are like this there's probably more of them but like there's these ones they focus on are like this every every other officer because you see like and that's the thing they show these kind officers like these officers that care these officers that want to do something but can't but they really want to help and then they you know and are nice and everything and um accepting of the of the black people and all that stuff and these people exist, but there there are some monsters out there. There are some monsters out there, man. And uh, and uh, you know they're they're walking around amongst us, and you don't know who it is, but there are some monsters out there. There are some wolves in sheep's clothing, and 
you know, so it's you, you can't trust everyone, you know. Um, and and that goes towards like most of the men that have been caught with the sexual and rape allegations, rape allegations especially, just fucking, mm, don't get me started on that shit. Um, really fucking ticking me. Um, to, to just think that like men just treat women like that. Um, just and honestly, it brings a, it brings an angry tear to my eye, an angry one. Um, just to think that the, that that they're just to think that they can do that, you know. That they just they they think they can um, also get away with it too, because um, you do see the aftermath of what happens here. The algae is. Um, and unfortunately, these officers got off. These officers got off with what happened. They didn't get the justice they got. That made me even more fucking pissed off. And um, I just... I couldn't help but connect it to what's going on right now in Hollywood and what's going on right now in, just in, in, in humanity and what happens. Um, the same thing with Wind River. The text at the end of Wind River, which again, I'm not going to spoil, but the text of Wind River is very close to like what is happening and even that's that's more of I think that's more of a um, that's that's just a system as well but that's more of a government kind of thing um, that nobody is doing anything about it um, nobody no, well, nobody could do anything about it then um, and I know you have your Black Lives Matter movement um, nowadays um, but when it comes down to the justice system, I still think the justice system is fucked. Um, you do, you do get, you know, you do get your, you know, your cases now and then that kind of pass and everything, but there's, there's just too many that fly under the radar. There's too many that just get, they get non-guilty or they don't get the people, the victims of, uh, let's say of a person that's been murdered or the, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't get the uh, the justice they that they quite clearly deserve, and uh, they it's yeah it sucks to hear, and especially what happened with a friend of mine. It was very hard to take all that information in, very extremely hard to take it all in, uh, and I, I know I can never unhear it, and I just wish that we could. You know, you could wish you could single them out, single the people out that were responsible for such just appalling actions. Um, but yeah, it just it it's, it makes you. That's what the film does. It makes you think about all these things, and that's what I think this film is f extremely effective on all those fronts. And I think it's a very important film to watch um again considering all these things that surround it um the filming the film itself is is, is very intense to watch um the cinematography is great a lot of handheld a lot of shaky cam i'm um, getting into more technical stuff here a lot of um shaky cam um handheld uh, to give it more of a i suppose to give it more of a realistic feel to give you a sense of place of where you are and the people you're following and how um, 
and the camera work, especially the angles where the POV, the POVs, the angles they show you in the LG is, it just makes it more of a scary place and more of a claustrophobic situation and more of this helplessness that nothing, you can't do anything, you can't, nothing can be done. And then you just, you just watch it unfold on screen, you're just like, fuck man, like that really, it really, this, this film really hit me, it hit me, but not in the way as in like, oh, that was an intense film, and it's not like Ghost Story hits me, where it just makes me think of my, my whole entire existence. It just makes you angry at a few things. It makes you angry at a society. It makes you f- angry at humanity. It makes you angry at you know how how everything is kind of everything is ran today, and things need to change. Things need to change, and it, I don't know if that change is happening soon. Uh, I don't know if that change is coming. Hopefully, it is changing. Um, and it's good we are seeing some change, especially with the uh, quality, the same-sex marriage equality vote here in Australia. And hopefully that bill does pass and we it, it happens. We Everybody gets what they deserve because everybody deserves to love whoever they fucking want. And they get to, you know... Um, I don't really have any really opinions on marriage or anything, but... Um, yeah. It's not a... To, the, to everybody who thinks who's against all the gay marriage and everything none of your business and uh, it doesn't affect you it doesn't like are you going to lose nights and days of sleep over a couple of gay guys getting married it doesn't affect you so why the fuck would you care um, it's got nothing to do with you um, but yeah that's, that's that's what I mean getting to um I'm getting sweaty talking about this fucking thing. And it's also, I guess, it's the heat as well. But uh, this is a very important film to see, I think. I think it should be seen by almost everybody. It's a very important film to watch. It, it does run for two and a half hours, but um, I, I, it's, it's, it's worth it. Um, my gripes... My gripes, my points taken off would be that... I know, it, it does run a little too long. I, I think we could have shaved about ten minutes off it. Ten minutes. I think it could be some of the final scenes could be structured differently. Um, that's just my opinion. That's just a little nitpick, my opinion. Um, but everything else about it, the way it builds, the center of it is insanely intense and just very hard to watch. And uh, and how it wraps up is even more just yeah. You feel like some, you know, some characters get their arc, and the, but there's also just so much injustice, and that's just the reality of it all, unfortunately. Um, and that's it. I highly recommend Detroit. Um, I think it's leaving cinemas soon, so that sucks. Um, I think I caught like one of the like latest week of it, uh, last weeks of it. Sorry. Um, and hopefully, when it comes to Blu-ray, do go and pick it up and give it a watch and hopefully it'll make you think about these things and and um you might get and it may, you might it might change your mind of a few things as well and it will get you to think about these things because people are going to be seeing this film and people are going to be having the same conversation as i'm having with myself <laughs> and uh, all of you who are listening because yeah, yeah it's just 
it's it, these things i don't know if they're, they're as bad as what they are here but in terms of other not just police brutality in terms of just humanity because i didn't just watch this film and just be like oh police this is um well, police brutality sucks it just needs to be, it just made me think of, of humanity and what we are capable of doing and um some humans choose to do wrong unfortunately so um some some humans choose to carry out unspeakable acts that um should be recommended they should be recommended for and sometimes they don't get it so um yeah detroit is highly recommended go check it out uh when it hits the blu-ray shelves or where you find it, your local retailer, or you know anything, however you find it, please do watch Detroit. I think it's very, I think it's a very important film to watch. Um, it's a really good film, like a film. Film, it's really good. I think it's Catherine Bigelow's best film. Um, Zero Dark Thirty being second, Hurt Locker being third. Um, I think it's the best one of hers, um, and I just think it's a very just get get some people around, and. Um, and just give it a watch and hopefully you'll have the same exact conversation it could be different who knows but it's definitely going to create some conversations around um, with people in groups of people and she'll get like and it's good that these that she shows these uh she shows the truth uh well people like kind of knew the truth but like she shows that this this is what actually happened and um Something needs to be done. Uh, I, I was probably I was probably kind of uh, going off topic there and probably uh, to, on tangents. But um, when you when you start to get when you start talking about stuff, you do go on tangents and stuff. And you know when you start getting passionate, that's when it starts to you know you start talking about some shit. <laughs> so um, yeah. Um, well, that's you know what that's gonna. That might wrap it up, actually. Uh, we're, we're sitting at a one hour and forty. Um, that might wrap it up for this one. I'm getting way too hot as well. Uh, I might, I might pass out. Uh, go see all those films. Ingrid Goes West, I highly recommend. Uh, Thor, Thor Ragnarok, yes. Killing of a Sacred Deer, yes. And of course, Detroit, yes. Um, all three of them. Beautiful game is going to be finished soon. I can't wait to bring it out and. Um, present to everyone. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to get Longland out in a festival circuit in 2018. So, really excited about that. Uh, I've got my 21st birthday this weekend. Uh, well, I've had it. I had it yesterday, but um, I have my, uh, my Newcastle celebration this weekend. Very keen for that. Very keen to uh, wake up and on Sunday morning and not remember half of it. So that's that's gonna be fun. And uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, yeah, so guys, signing off. You have a great weekend. Um, hang out with family, hang out with your mates. Go watch any of these films if they're still out. Anyone in Sydney, um, go check out any of these films. What maybe watch a movie at home, and uh, you know, have a great weekend. And uh, as I've said. And uh, I'll speak to you on uh, on Tuesday for the halfer. We return for the halfer on Tuesday. I can't wait to be back. This microphone fucking I love it. I love. Uh, I'm I'm really glad to be back into this. So um, I'll speak to you on Tuesday. All right. Fuck. <laughs>